Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All right, welcome in, everybody. Sports Daily here. It's a Thursday. Always fun on the program here on Thursdays. We'll bring in our pal Chelsea Messenger to talk some betting, uh, which will get interesting this week with starters sitting out. How do we approach this weekend, the last full weekend of NFL betting before we get to the postseason? Of course, we've got a national championship game we can talk about now as well with Chelsea. That's coming up. Uh, a little later on in this hour, top of the next hour, our K-State insider Tim Fitzgerald will join in. Uh, good timing for that as we get ready for some uh, conference play in basketball. we got a couple of storylines to follow with K-State football with the offensive coordinator, uh, with Will Howard's latest. We'll get with Fitz on all of those topics. Uh, and your calls on the KFH hotline, 869-1240 is that number to call. We'll give away some HTO uh, a little bit later in the show as well. Chad Chambers producing. I'm Jacob Albrock. Tommy Caster joining us. Tommy, now, Tom, we got to be sure Tommy doesn't big time us here. Tommy's now, a, you know, a corporate executive. We better be on our best <laughs> behavior, Chad. Uh, we can't, you know, no more, no more cutting jokes. We got to be on our toes here. No, in all seriousness, Tommy got a big promotion yesterday. Uh, you know, uh, I'll let Tommy get into that a little bit, but congratulations, Tommy. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, thank you. It's been uh, kind of a whirlwind of a, of a few days. Um, I'm really excited to uh, continue on with the Odyssey family of radio stations that we have here in Wichita and um, oversee our, our sales efforts uh, in the Wichita market. And so I'm looking forward to that. And it was all made official yesterday. So um, it's been busy last few days, uh, but I'm excited for the future. Tommy, the new VP of sales. And that VP means, again, corporate America right here. Oh, boy. Uh, we gotta we gotta watch what we're doing here. If you now for real though, if you need anything, uh, call Tommy. He's gonna do awesome things. We're really excited about it. When he says the Odyssey family of networks, that's you know our our parent company here at KFH, and you've heard that KNSS, all the stations we mention all the time. That's the overall company. So Tommy's overseeing all of it. Uh, we're very excited about that. Proud of Tommy for all his efforts. Uh, but that does not mean that we still can't bust chops and you know, do all the things that we always do. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll just, we'll just keep rolling forward and, 
and deal with, uh, you know, with Tommy's new expanded hey, role just, here. Just know that, you know, everything that you say, I've got your permanent record pulled up and I'm, you know, yeah, I'm keeping yeah. notes. There's a file. There's yeah. a file cabinet back yeah. there. Uh, I, I don't want to know what's in it, but <laughs> um, it's uh, it, it's there. All right. Let's let's get into it today. So we're going to talk a lot about <clears throat> excuse me, everybody. There's no easy way to do that. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about K-State a little bit later. Wichita State begins its conference season tonight. The Shockers, North Texas. I don't know. I we and We talk about this at length, but I, I'm telling you, I love this game for this team in this spot because I think it gives us a much better idea of what to sort of set expectations at in the conference season. That that's it's been a long time because you play K State, you play KU, and back to back games. It's sort of been a while, I think, Tommy, since they've played a game at a level of competition you would expect Wichita State to be at this year. You know, we've had a hard time since the off season with with understanding and setting expectations. But you know, of of the games that they've played, I don't know which games are there, right? So you've got a Missouri loss, a Kansas State loss, and a Kansas loss. I'm not sure anybody expects Wichita State to be where those teams will end up. The Liberty loss and then South Dakota State's the one that you would say, well, that's that's disappointing. Uh, you've got wins uh, over teams in the same range, but you really are sort of still looking for that signature win, I think, this year, Tommy, and I think there's a chance this this game tonight could be that if, in fact, they can get it. They, you know, they've they've sort of played to this level that you know we would expect to some degree, and and it's time for I think for the team to start exceeding that level a little bit. I'm not sure that you would call a North Texas win a signature victory for the Shockers. I think it's a good victory if they can get the win tonight, uh, considering where. North Texas is in the Ken Palm uh, and where they've kind of been slated in the conference. I think it would be a good win. I think it's a win that uh, because of the way that the Shockers have performed in the month of December, it's going to be a good bounce back for them. Uh, and they need it, right? They need it getting into conference play. They dropped games against uh, Kansas State and Kansas. And of course, you know, the other losses that they've had uh, over the course of the season. It doesn't mean that this team is you know, having major issues, it just means that, you know, they need to bounce back as they get into conference play. I do agree with you. This is a good start to that when you're playing a team like North Texas that is kind of matched up in, in a, you know, as far as Ken Palm is concerned in a similar place that you are, you know, kind of the, those, that you want to be, you want to anyway. be those 50, 50 type games, the, the more of those you can win, obviously the better your resume is going to be when it comes tournament time. So it's an important game to kick off conference play. I don't know if I would go so far to call it a signature game for the Shockers, but it's definitely one that they, they should want to win. And they definitely do want to win to kick off conference play. Yeah. I mean, it, it's more about what's happened so far in this season. I think as I'm going through it, I don't think that Wichita State has a win thus far over any team that currently sits inside the top 100 of the Ken Palm. Um, I, I think anytime they've played the teams that sit in there right now, they've lost those games. So when we look at it and we look at their wins, 
I just don't know how many of those, if any, are quality wins. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I it's it's hard to to gauge what we expect out of Wichita State because right now they've just sort of they've won the games they should win outside of probably South Dakota State, and they you know and they haven't won the games that they shouldn't win based on you know where you see teams and all those sorts of things. So they are looking for that win, right, over a team that sits higher than them or at least expectations would be higher than in the conference. They they don't have a quad one or two win yet. I don't know if North Texas at home would end up being that. I'm not sure. But they're 0-4 in quad one and two. I, and, and it's just hard for me to understand, like, where to put them. One, it's too early to take much from the conference yet, too. Like, I get that. But we expect North Texas. North Texas was picked uh, sixth, and Wichita State was picked eighth. When this and and I think North Texas is like at eighty eight right now. Uh, no, they're at uh, they're at eighty one in the Ken Palm. This is a game at home that if you want to try to see yourself up in the top half of the league, that you need to win. I mean, this is a need to win yeah. game. Maybe that's a simpler way to. I think put that's. It. This I isn't a game fair. where. Like, no excuses here. This is a game at home that Wichita State needs to win. I think that's fair. If they beat Florida Atlantic, that's a signature win. If they sure. had if they had upset Kansas last weekend, that for sure is a signature win. North Texas at home, I'm not sure I would call it a signature win, but I do agree that it's a really important game, uh, you know, especially considering where they stand and where they want to be. And when we look back on this, in the month of March is we're putting together potentially a tournament resume. And I, you know, I think the jury is still out on if this team can even sniff the NCAA tournament, but as you're looking at the resume, yeah, this is a game that uh, I think that we can look at as being a a quality win for the shockers. I'm not ready to totally close the door. I mean, of course they're going to need to make a run in the conference tournament. I don't think they've got a resume, you know, at large in the non-conference that, you know, can, can get them that kind of bid. But I do think that, if they can gel together, they've got all of their the, the full complement of players now on the roster that are playing. If things can continue to come together and get off to a good start in conference play, then I do think that you're in a position where you could maybe look at a, one of the top seeds in the conference tournament and maybe make a run to where we could be talking potentially about a postseason berth. Yeah, look, I, they do have their full cast of characters. There's no more excuses, right? They've got all their players now. And so... You know, for a long time, it was like, well, you know, two of the key guys coming in haven't been. Well, they're there now, right? And they've been there in time to be up to speed for conference play. So now it gets into, and we brought expectations up before any decisions were made, you know, at coach. And expectations are always important because while I, I, I agree with frustration of watching, you know, Lots of shockers that have been here the last couple of years play in the NBA right now and to have seen not very much success with that many NBA guys on rosters. I get it. I understand it. The reality is, you know, you've got to be better than those teams were pretty quickly. And in year one, I've it's it's always been difficult. But I, I'm not going to sit here at the end of the year and be satisfied if Wichita State's eighth in the American Athletic Conference this year. So... If you're, that's where they were predicted, by the way. They need to be better than that. 
And so when you go and play North Texas and you have your full cast of characters and you're at home, that's what I mean. Like I, you know, from the outside, obviously, like I'm inviting that pressure to the program. I want to see how they react to that. I want to see what they do in a game like this where they need to win this game. And yeah, it's early, but North Texas is going to be probably one of those teams you're competing with, like battling it out with to finish at whatever position in the conference you finish with. Yeah, it comes in the first one, but it you got to play it when it comes. And so if you're going to be better than them, and I think that's absolutely a reasonable expectation, then you need to beat them at home. And I like that pressure because it's the first time I think this year that there's been any sort of realistic pressure. And I want to see how they react. And, you know, they got their tails kicked against Kansas. And, you know, Kansas State got them too. Like, what what does this team have in it now with a little bit of its back against the wall to some degree? That's what I want to see, and that's why I'm excited for this game to open it. Does it determine their entire conference season? No, of course not. Nothing does this early in the conference season. Are they going to be an at-large bid? No, they're not. They I don't think they could win enough games to be an at-large bid at this point without any of the other wins that they've been able to play in the non-con. But can they get good enough to to have a puncher's chance in the conference tournament? Absolutely they can. Can they have a chance to beat Memphis and Florida Atlantic in individual games? Absolutely, I think that I think, they can. I, think I, they can. I hope that they can. I want to see them be able to do that. So that's where I feel like tonight is a is a good reset. Kansas and Kansas State, nobody expected Wichita State to win those games. Now I expect them to win this game. Like, expectations matter, and they're important. And I know it's year one. I know things take time, but it matters. And it's always mattered. And and so let's see it. I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm excited for it tonight. It's been great to know that they've been able to get Harlan Beverly uh, back. They, you know, they're not Harlan Beverly. The Bijan Cortez back and, yeah. and Ronnie DeGray back. It's been good to know that they've been able to get those guys on the court. Now, how big of an impact they make, it's not probably going to be anything major right this second. You know, they've got to get accustomed to game speed under Paul Mills and the way that the team jives and, and all of that. But I think by the time we get to February, by the time we get to March, yeah, you, you know, I think that there becomes an expectation that you see both of those guys contribute to the depth of this team. I don't exactly know at what level. I don't know if we're looking at either one of these guys potentially starting or if the starting five is pretty much set by Mills by this point for the remainder of the season. But I do think that having those extra bodies and the extra talent, um, once you get into a grueling, long conference schedule, that's really going to, I think, pay off dividends for Wichita State. They didn't have those guys for a vast majority of the non-con, and so now that they have them back, you can maybe help to keep the, the legs of Colby Rogers fresh, the legs of Xavier Bell fresh, you know, so on and so forth. So I do think that that's going to be something to keep our eyes on as conference play rolls on. I just don't know how much we can expect from those two guys, Cortez and DeGray, right away with this program. Yeah, I, it, look, I, we'll, we'll find out tonight. It's going to be awesome. Uh, you'll hear the game here, of course, as you always do. KEYN uh, will have it. Pre-game coverage begins at 7. It's an 8 o'clock tip. You're going to get uh, a national audience for that one because that's why they're playing at 8, by the way. And that's a good thing. Like, you want Wichita State in the spotlight as much as it can be. And I'm ready for it. And I like that there's a little pressure on this game. It does feel to me like this is the first pressure spot of the season for Wichita State. Like, true pressure spot, right? It's sort of been, 
making your way through the non-con, and then you got to get your full cast of characters, and then you got to get through Kansas and Kansas State and all those things. And I'm so glad that they scheduled those games, and I, I really, really hope that that keeps happening. And Kevin Saul told us yes yesterday, there's absolutely an appetite for Wichita State to still schedule aggressively, and the proof's in the pudding historically of how important that is for tournament teams and all of these things. Now you get into conference play. It's a good conference. It's a good conference this year. You know, it's it's going to be, you know, one of the better non-Power 5 conferences. So let's get in there and mix it up a little bit for Wichita State. You'll hear it tonight, uh, and we'll, of course, react to it tomorrow. Let's take a quick break here on Sports Daily. The KFH Hotline joining us on it after this, Chelsea Messenger. We're going to talk some bets. What in the world do we do with this weekend in the NFL? Uh, and how do we approach the national championship game? We'll get into those things with Chelsea next on Sports Daily. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily here on KFH. We'll get Chelsea Messenger in just a few minutes here. Uh, glad to be here with you. This is NFL betting weekend, Tommy. I don't know. I, I, I mean, you can you can obviously go and attack the games where things mean things and all of that. That that part's not so, you know, that part's not so hard. But man, trying to guess at like what in the world to bet is uh, it's an interesting exercise I will say uh, to get a grasp of things all the teams are playing obviously there's more games to bet than you get except for like to open the season but you have teams that are you know trying to get draft position you've got backups in so many of these games like I, I don't know how to attack it these things are crazy it's so hard when you've got a bunch of backup quarterbacks that are starting in different scenarios. And we know Patrick Mahomes is not starting for Kansas city. It's Blaine Gabbert time for the final week of the, the season for the chiefs, you know, so it, it makes it hard to try to tackle these games and, you know, exactly find where the good angle is. All right, let's uh, let's get to Chelsea messenger. Here she comes. Our betting insider joining the program. On the line is the host of the Daily Tip and Odyssey Sports Betting Insider, Chelsea Messenger. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all of the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. Also, be sure to check out the Daily Tip podcast for more of Chelsea Messenger analysis. Just search BetMGM wherever you find your podcasts. All right, and we welcome Chelsea in. So, Chelsea, do you, do you only play games where the there is something on the line or do you take a stab at some of these where it's like guesswork to see how motivated teams are? There's definitely a lot of landmines when it comes to week 18. And for that reason, I think you could kind of look at week 18 similar to week one where there's going to be some volatility and tread carefully. There's one game that I think that maybe it doesn't matter and maybe a team's not playing or it's starters, but we're seeing line movement in the other direction which is the Steelers and the Ravens game. The Steelers are three-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. Of course, they need to win uh, to get into the playoffs, and they also need some help. The Ravens will be resting Lamar Jackson, but this line opened at four-and-a-half. So there is some money coming in on the Ravens here. I think a lot of it has to do with, number one, the backup quarterback for the Ravens, Tyler Huntley, fits in pretty nicely to that system. And plus, the total in this game is only 35-and-a-half. 
And here's the thing that you need to remember for week 18. Just because a team needs to win does not mean that they are going to win. We've seen it time and time again. The, I think the best example recently was when Aaron Rodgers and the Packers needed to win at home against a Lions team that was not nearly as good as they are this year. And guess what? They didn't do it. So keep in mind, chaos will still abound this week in the NFL. Uh, I will take the points and the Ravens, the three and a half. This just screams one of those AFC North matchups that's going to be low scoring. There's going to be chaos. Would not be shocked if the Ravens can keep it within three points. Are you a believer in Mason Rudolph? You know, I know that, no. you know, well, I mean, he he hasn't <laughs> played. He hasn't played terrible, you know, as he's kind of taken over for Kenny Pickett with Pickett coming back from that injury. And I know Mike Tomlin is, you know, kind of sticking with Rudolph to not disturb the rhythm and all of that uh, as they try to make a, a postseason run. Is there a play with Rudolph? I, like, you know, right now his passing touchdown prop is at one and a half. And I kind of like the over on that. Is that something you think that would be, you know, viable for him to do this week? You want me to bet on Mason Rudolph with a straight face. Uh, no, I will not be doing that. Okay. Yes, it's still Mason Rudolph, and I know he's looked good you know, in the past two games, but still, this is not somebody I want to count on. And I think that's the bottom line when if you're looking at the Steelers as favorites here, like is this a team that you trust, that you can depend on this offense? Because I just we've seen the Mason Rudolph show before, and I'm not buying fully into it. And also, touchdown bets are tricky, too. Because he can have a great game and not hit over his passing touchdowns prop. Because we've seen this all the time. You know, you have a long uh, pass down the field, tackled at the one, running back runs it in. So I think buyer beware when it comes to passing touchdowns. It's plus 180 probably for a reason. But no, I'm not a, a firm believer in Mason Rudolph. So sorry for laughing, but <laughs> no thank you, please. Yeah, it, it, so we're going to have a lot of these kinds of quarterbacks playing, though. But there's a lot of games where everything is very obvious in what's on the line. You've got Texans, Colts uh, that you can go and attack. You obviously have Bills, Dolphins is probably the most headline of them. But, like, Dallas is going to be playing for something against Washington. It's on the road, though. You've got Justin Fields talking trash on the Bears. That's probably a game you could look at realistically. Um, I mean, there are several out there where it's where it is more obvious on what's on the line. But we follow the Chiefs here. We learned yesterday Patrick Mahomes isn't playing. This one's interesting to me because I, I think as we look at the Chargers as three and a half point favorites at home, we forget that the Chargers were already playing a lot of their backups. They're already playing their backup quarterback. So why can't Blaine Gabbert lead the Chiefs to? a win over the Chargers, especially when he's getting points. That I was pretty interested to see the Chiefs as a three-and-a-half-point dog there. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, I don't think the Chargers necessarily deserve to be three-and-a-half-point favorites to just about anybody. But I will say, as a Titans fan, I have seen Blaine Gabbert throw the football. Uh, and it, albeit it wasn't a playoff game, it felt like they couldn't get any first downs. Uh, but still, I think you're right. I don't think I would take the Chargers as favorites here. I think there will be more chaos this week than people expect. Let's go back to that Bears game for a second, because I do like the Bears getting three points. And the fact that this Bears team, despite having nothing to play for when it comes to the postseason, still has things to play for. Number one, Justin Fields, still playing for his job here. And we've seen this defense look a lot better in the past few weeks. And I feel like the Packers are one of those teams that I don't want to trust as favorites. 
I've done it before. I trusted them as four-and-a-half-point favorites against the Carolina Panthers, and they didn't cover in that game. And the Packers as favorites uh, in those situations, in their last three matchups as favorites, they've lost two of those games outright. So don't be surprised if the Bears can keep it within three. I'll be on the Bears this week plus three. Well, the game that really matters, obviously, the most in the NFL this weekend, the, the final game of the regular season, the Bills at the Dolphins. Right now, the Bills are three-point favorites on the road. And really, Chelsea, looking at the public bets on this, it's really split pretty much down the middle. It's kind of around 50 to 55% on the Bills. What do you think about this game? Obviously, you know, a lot of playoff implications when it comes to this potential game and which team is going to get the two seed in the AFC, which team is going to be a wild card. So a lot of implications here. What are, what's your angle betting on this particular game? This is a game where you probably need to wait and see the injury report. And I believe those come out sometime today because the Dolphins are one of those teams that is severely banked up. They were last week. And we're waiting on some of those guys. Like last week, they didn't have Raheem Mostert, Bradley Chubb now out for the season. Uh, Jalen Waddle didn't play last week. Tua's dealing with uh, some injuries on his hand as well. And the offensive line has been really banked up because it doesn't matter how fast your receivers are if your quarterback is not having time to get the ball down the field. So if all things were equal and the Dolphins were healthy, I would like them getting three points here, but still, this is a Dolphins team that is nursing a lot of injuries. I think I would lean towards the Bills. Uh, another one where both teams should be doing their best to win the game is Falcon Saints. They both need uh, they need the Bucks to lose, which doesn't matter, but they both still have an opening to get into the playoffs. So we should see uh, both teams at full strength. I guess we just take these at the games that we know matter. The Saints are three-point favorites at home. The NFC South has felt like the most unpredictable to me. Anything there in that one that you like? Yeah, the NFC South, it feels like you normally just take the underdog because all the teams are terrible. Uh, But we have seen some line movement in this game. Uh, It's at three right now, I'm assuming. I don't have it pulled up in front of me. But the angle on the Falcons... The angle on the Falcons this year is you play them at home, not on the road. Uh, Atlanta, for some reason or another, has been much better when they're playing at home. So, obviously, this one on the road in New Orleans, I would lean towards New Orleans, but I just told you, there's a lot of volatility in the NFC South. Not sure what we're going to get from Taylor Heineke. You know, it, it feels very feast or famine from a gunslinger quarterback like that. But Atlanta, 5-3 and three at home, 2-6 and six away. I think that's your story here. There's a big West Coast battle as well, Chelsea. The Rams at the Niners in an NFC West battle. You know, the Rams have kind of been sneaky good this year at times. Not the entire season, but they've had some moments where they've looked pretty solid. Of course, they're on the road at San Francisco. You know, who is, you know, they're a team that they've already clinched. They know exactly what's going to be happening for them in the playoffs. Do you like any kind of angle in this game? This was going to be my favorite play of the week until the Rams announced that Carson Wentz is going to be starting for the Rams. So please know that before you say, oh, Matt Stafford and this offense have been really good. You're right, they have. And I'm kind of shocked because the Rams can actually get a better playoff scenario, I think, if they win this game. But still, Carson Wentz in the picture means I'm completely out. I would be on the Rams, but Carson Wentz feels like somebody I shouldn't put my money on. 
So a- another interesting one is a lot of people are depending on Jacksonville to lose if they want to get in. So then we look at Jacksonville against your Titans. Mike Vrabel doesn't strike me as somebody who has any intention of losing any game that he plays. I'm sure they want to see Will Levis. Is there anything there? Have we heard anything about the Titans and not wanting to play that game hard? And assuming that they will, five and a half points at home, that's that's not bad. Uh, yeah, but the Titans want a high draft pick. Like at this point, they're tied with two other teams at five and 11. And also it's Ryan Tannehill who's starting who will be motivated to play well. You know, he's playing for his job. But the thing to bet on in this game, and this is the only time of the year where you can look at player contract incentives, and it's actually a bettable angle because there's a good one in this game. So instead of betting the spread or the total, you bet on DeAndre Hopkins uh, because he has a big contract bonus that he is up for in this game. He needs just seven catches for an extra 250000 and just 49 receiving yards this week for an extra million dollars. So that's $1.25 million on the line for DeAndre Hopkins. And those are two lines that he can get. Last week he had seven catches for 72 yards. I feel like Ryan Tannehill force feeds him the ball anyway. He had the most uh, receptions and targets of anybody last week when Tannehill was the starting quarterback. So usually DeAndre Hopkins is lined around 60 yards and, you know, four and a half catches. Look at DeAndre Hopkins' props this week. I like those props. Are props are a plenty? Kelsey's going for one, but his is only sixteen yards, so credit and factor in. Any any other uh, any other bets we've missed here, Chelsea, that we need to be paying attention to in this weird week? I think I'll go with the Patriots on the money line uh, against the Jets. I know the Patriots have had a terrible season, and just because you know they want to win a game doesn't mean they're going to. But you've got to think this could be the last home game. Bill Belichick and here's one thing that Bill Belichick has done really well uh, along with all those Super Bowl wins I should preface by saying that he has absolutely owned the New York Jets the Patriots won 15 straight games against the Jets the Patriots are 19 and 4 all time against the Jets since moving to Gillette Stadium so I like the Patriots this week it's not a sexy pick uh, and not a meaningful game but maybe a meaningful game to Bill Belichick so I'll take the Patriots Uh, Minus 125 on the money line. All right. And then, Chelsea, before we let you go, we've got a national championship game in college football. Things are established. Two close games in the semifinals. Washington getting four and a half points. Sort of that, you know, great offense versus great defense dynamic going here. You like anything in that national championship game? Yeah, this one's a Sophie's choice for me because I'm going against my gut uh, or I'm going against my mind because – You look at Washington, and immediately the spread jumps off the page. They're giving Washington four and a half points again? What are we doing here? This is a team that's been undervalued all season long, which is usually the case for Pac-12 teams. And plus, you look at their receivers. It doesn't seem to matter how strong a secondary is. When you're making those type of circus catches, and you have three receivers that are probably going to go to the NFL and Michael Penix Jr. throwing the rock, uh, it feels like that's a cheat code against just about any defense. But when you look at that semifinal game, Michael Penix Jr. had over 400 yards of passing, but yet Washington almost lost that game. It was down to the final play. So the fact that their defense kind of allows other teams to get back in it and they played out of their mind, you know, on the offensive side of the ball and nearly lost that game, 
That makes me worry against a Michigan team that had a comedy of errors on the special teams unit and still beat Alabama. So the potential feels a little higher for this very physical Michigan team that certainly is going to control the line of scrimmage. Hasn't that been the calling card for Michigan all season long? A great offensive line, best defense in the country. They're going to run the football. So we'll see if they can control the tempo. I feel like I'm going to lean towards the points, though, because even if Michigan wins this game, I feel like that leans towards a lower-scoring game. Points are at a premium. I'll take a Washington team that even if they're playing from behind, it's a passing offense. I'll take the four-and-a-half with Washington. It makes it easier because nobody uh, nobody wants to root for Michigan either. I don't think outside of Michigan fans. So <laughs> I'll be with you there, just just out of you know out of the heart. I'm I'm there with you, Chelsea. We appreciate it. Happy New Year uh, to you, and we are ready to attack the postseason next week. Yeah, thanks for having me. There goes Chelsea Messenger, the host of the Daily Tip and Odyssey Sports Betting Insider. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. All right, we'll come back. Uh, we're going to wrap up this hour. We we brought up that championship game. Michigan's quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, had some things to say as, of course, the cheating scandal is being brought back up. We'll get into that in the next hour. Our K-State insider, Tim Fitzgerald, joins us top of the hour uh, for several uh, really interesting things happening there in Manhattan to get into. We'll do it all as we make our way through a Thursday edition of Sports Daily. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily here on KFH as we make our way through uh, hour number one. Tim Fitzgerald coming up at the top of hour number two. By the way, Wildcat fans, you can check out GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast, the latest bowl and transfer portal news, as well as men's and women's basketball all season long. Follow PowerCat podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Let's... As we make our way to the finale of hour number one, let's give away some HTO here. We've got some brew house coffee for you available. Of course, HTO has all the iced tea, all the amazing iced tea. Also coffee, iced or hot. You can get it at either the East Wichita location or in Derby. We'll give away a couple of free HTO coffees right now to the first caller on the KFH hotline, 869-1240. Good luck, everybody. Enjoy the coffee on us. Going to be a good time for some hot coffee here, Tommy, as we have a little storm rolling in, and it looks like about three or four storms out on the horizon. I got to tell you, it's been a a stressful, like, 24 hours. So uh, we're we're going back home to Texas to have my family's Christmas. And, of course, we've got this storm rolling in, and I'm getting, like, pulled in 19 different directions about this, you know, this trip now. I'm getting, like, guilt from mom back home about, well, are we going to make it? And, you know, these things. And then I'm getting guilt here of, like, is it really safe to go? And, like, it's just been... Uh, it's just been a, a load of fun here, but we're gonna we're gonna be okay. We're gonna we're gonna drive if we got to stop uh, halfway and then finish it out. It'll be fine. But uh, get ready because you know here there is gonna be some snow coming. So plan accordingly. Yeah. It sounds like late tonight and into tomorrow morning we'll have a little snow to deal with. When do you when do you hit the road? Are you do you leave today? Uh yeah, we've got it timed out where we'll we're trying to beat the snow here. So we're trying yeah. to get out before the snow here and then behind the snow in Texas. So it's all the same like it's all the same storm, 
So there's this gap that is right on our drive. And so it's like, it's, it's going to be fine. Like we've got an opportunity to do that. And we might have to stay in Oklahoma if the, if the roads, but I have like nine meteorologists on speed dial (laughs) from what I do for a living. I'm like, it'll be fine. We'll just call, uh, you know, we'll call, uh, we'll call one of these guys and we'll make sure that things are looking good as we're driving into it. I just hope you don't don't get stranded like in the Oklahoma panhandle and you've got to, we don't go that direction. We don't go that direction. I've spent enough time in the Oklahoma panhandle. No offense to anybody in the Oklahoma panhandle. There wouldn't be much there to get stranded in. Right. Uh, but we we do not go that direction. You can go that direction. It's about the same, but it's not like nice and easy interstates. So we'll be it, 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 we'll we'll go. We'll have a nice dinner, and you know my my oldest daughter's like, well, we got to pack lots of pillows and blankets in case we get stranded. I'm like, okay, that's I like where your head's at on that, but I, but I don't think it's going to be that kind of storm uh, where we're headed. I you know it's I I, I there are times like I love the holiday season. But you know how when you get to the end of it, you're just sort of ready for like a little normalcy. You're done. We're not we're not quite there yet. And I and I'm so excited to see and my kids get so excited to go see their cousins, but it's like, man, we're all like we're almost there. But then at the same time, you get into the winter after this, and it's like, uh, then begins yeah. that long, brutal stretch until March, really, where it's just like, thank God we have college basketball. I'm gonna tell you something else. As I now have a business that it impacts and all these things, I hate the snow. It is such a pain in the rear. Uh, I, I got to watch my language here now. Remember, Tommy's the new executive. He was about ready to about ready to reprimand me. Uh, but it's such a pain in the butt. I, the snow bothers me so much now. Like I, I just like it's it's so annoying. And and I, and I'll take it because we need the moisture so much. And it looks like it's going to be a wet season. But if it's going to snow, can we at least get, like, the good wet snow and not just have, like, the ice crystal blowing, freezing cold? Like, this one's going to be fine, I think. Man, I, I, I hate it more than I ever have. I'm going to be a snowbird when I get old. I can, I can almost guarantee you that. Like, I will just leave for the winter. I don't like being cold at all. Like, I don't, I don't you know, put me in where, where do people go? Arizona? I don't yeah. think I want to go to Florida. Yeah. Probably Arizona would be where I'd end up. You know, uh, January is my least favorite month of the entire year, and a very close second is February. You know, so I, it's yeah, it's one yeah. of, you know, it's just, it's, it is the way that it is here, you know, and you can never really get comfortable because it gets cold, and then you've got the ice, and you've got the potential snow, and you know, all of that. You got tax season. Oh, it's just, it's not fun. I came home yesterday from work, and my wife had completely taken down all of, all of the Christmas decorations. They're just gone. Like, they're just, you know, the house is back to normal. And it, it's, you know, and you kind of mentioned, like, you get to the end of the holiday season, you want some normalcy. And I walked in and I'm like, thank God. Like, thank you for doing that, number one, so I don't have to. But number two, thank God that it's gone. I'm glad it's gone. I'm over it. The holidays are done get everything like I'm kind of the guy like December 26th get the Christmas tree down take oh, the lights no, no, down no. I don't need to see him Christmas is over pack it all up but it's all gone now from the house everything is back to normal yeah and, but you're gonna miss it now no, that's that's the no, dynamic no, there like I, I no. I'm definitely a leave it up through the new year no uh, I took ours down I don't know like yesterday it was either yesterday or the day before yesterday I don't remember um, and, 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 and we didn't have time to put a whole bunch up. Like you, you guys still do it up right. And you get it, but like ours, I, I got the stockings out and the tree up and I changed some garage light bulbs to red and green. That, that was it. Like, that's all. Yeah. And so it, you know, it wasn't a lot of effort one way or the other, but I don't mind having it up a little. I, I don't, 
I want to get to the normalcy, but man, because I know that that two or two and a half month grind is coming, I also kind of don't want to see it go because it, it it's just not like at this time of year, just it's not. It's not pleasant. My right? wife, no though, leaves. I, I have to I, give uh, her. I have to give her credit though, because she went from Christmas decorations and transitioned into winter decorations, which I didn't know there, there is, was a difference. I didn't, I didn't know there was a thing. Yeah, no, but, I, yeah. So like, there's a wreath on the door that's now a winter wreath. It's not a Christmas wreath. It's a winter right. wreath, and then we'll have that up for a couple of months, and then she'll have her spring decor that comes out. And then they'll be the summer, and then like it's kind of based on the seasons. Um, I I didn't know any of why this. Don't, like, I, why don't Why don't you just have like a winter tree and a winter nativity then, and save yourself a little effort? Well, I, I don't. I, you just rename the Christmas decorations. I mean, the extent of my decorating before I got married was different movie posters that I had slapped on the wall. Yeah. You know, yeah, Simpsons, a Simpsons yeah. poster or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I say my wife and I are there. not. Yeah. Yeah, we are not – that is not in our skill set. We talk about it all the time. Like, we need to hire somebody to just do that for us. And I think those services exist, uh, but that is not in our repertoire at all, which is too bad. That's literally what my mom's college degree is in. And, and you know, she has a flower shop, and she designs yeah. people, decorates it. Like, I got none of it. Look behind me right now yeah. if you're watching our hey, videos. I just had a conversation during the last commercial break. I'm, I'm moving into one of the offices here in, at the radio station, and, you know, the question was, are you, what are you going to put on the walls? And I'm like, I, I don't know, but I'm sure my wife will be all over it. Yeah, she's going to probably yeah, come in, well. measure things, figure out where the different pictures are going. I don't know. I got – I don't, I'll just throw like a poster of the Godfather up on the wall. That's all I know how to do. I look behind me right now. If you're watching on our video stream, this I I didn't like. I actually tried to make this look, and it it looks like I just threw a bunch of stuff on a shelf. Like this took actual effort. That that so I I, I don't don't ask me how to decorate your office. I have no idea. Uh, yeah, have your wife come up and do it for you. Yeah. That's, that's a great I don't idea. know how to do it. Problem, I'm going to have to have The her. problem is neither of my wife or I are gifted in that regard. So it's like, uh, I I don't know what to do. Like, So my sister-in-law helped us when we first moved into this house. She was here, and she is gifted at that. She helped us. To, same thing. Like, nothing's changed, and that's been like four, five, five, six years. I don't know how long we've lived in this house. Nothing's changed because we, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't, I don't even know what to change. 869-1240. Uh, I have no idea if Tim Fitzgerald is a gifted interior designer. We can ask him, but we do have some K-State things to talk about. Our K-State insider, uh, what's the latest with Will Howard? What's the latest with the offensive coordinator spot? Uh, What do we think about K-State going into the conference basketball season? We'll get into all of those things as we make our way into hour number two of Sports Daily on KFH. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. He's got all the insight of what you want to know and maybe some of what you don't want to know. Here's K-State insider Tim Fitzgerald. 
All right, welcome back in, everybody. Hour number two of Sports Daily. We are joined on the program right now by our K-State insider, Tim Fitzgerald. Glad to be here with you, Fitz. Welcome in. Welcome back in. What's going on, man? Happy New Year. Same to you. Same to you. Looking forward to another year of covering K-State sports, doing talk shows with you, my friend. That's right. Uh, and it is an interesting time at K-State because we're about to start a conference season that is very uh, unknown and unpredictable. We'll get into basketball in just a little bit, but there's a couple football storylines, I think, uh, that are very intriguing. Let's start with Will Howard. So USC was the rumor, and then their backup quarterback comes in, lights it up in the bowl game. Lincoln Riley talks about you know, players maybe not wanting to come here now, which I think was a pretty direct assessment of the situation. So now Will Howard's back on the market. We know he's visiting Ohio State and ESPN reports Miami. What are you hearing? Have you talked to Will Howard? Uh, What's your crew hearing on his potential spot to play college football next year? Yeah, I I haven't talked to Will, um, but, you know, I'm tracking it pretty close from people that have. And uh, he's still wrestling with the NFL. And I, I think if Ohio State really does come through an offer, that might be, you know, too much to turn down. But uh, he's he's been considering still going to the draft. He's been hoping to get a senior bowl bid. He, he really wants to play in that game. Um, and I think he's probably considered, a, you know, an alternate of sorts to that. Uh, but I think if Ohio State uh, comes through with an offer, and you know, with his official visit, I think he'll go ahead and do it. I. I can't imagine you turn down Ohio State. Well, no, I don't think you do either. And the NFL part is curious. I, I, I was having this conversation with somebody. So I went to a Division two school that was a powerhouse football program at the time I was there, and it was a powerhouse offense. And there was a stretch where I think at least three, if not five, I think it was four straight quarterbacks from the school got NFL experience, time, whatever, But I know what that life was like, whether it was, you know, undrafted free agent to practice squad. Some of them even played games in the NFL, uh, the preseason and the regular season. It's not a luxurious life. And it's not like this glamorous, massive amount of money. It famously people bring up all the time that Arch Manning is making more money than Brock Purdy. I don't know. Like when I think of the NFL with Will Howard, I, I think of like mid to late round pick potentially and that sort of I think the financial play is college football for him to get the payday don't you I agree I agree um you know but then again you're talking about a kid who probably framed his dreams pre-NIL and you know getting to the NFL might mean more than just money to him but I think I personally think he needs another year uh, and I think it's a good move to have another year in a different system um, I, I don't think that hurts him at all, particularly if you know any of the numbers of the NIL are anywhere close to being accurate. But um, I, I just, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm having problems framing myself thinking that Will Howard's NFL ready. I mean, I, I think he's, he's clearly got some more seasoning to do. And on top of that, it's a really uh, deep quarterback group. I don't know how many superstars are in it, but there's a lot of guys that'll probably be picked up along the way, um, you know, during the draft. And it's considered not a great year to come out as a quarterback because the, the, there's so much traffic in front of you. So I, I'm a little baffled what has taken this long on this process, but 
I think he's a little hung up on what exactly he wants to do. And again, I think we're going to see the the portal really pick up once it closes again, uh, and teams can't, you know, players can't bail out because their team just signed someone else out of the portal. If he ends up going to Ohio State or another college program, in your mind, after watching him in his career at K-State, what does he need to work on? You mentioned that he's got, you know, maybe another year of college to get more seasoned, but he's got the frame, he's got the build for the NFL. Is it decision-making? Is it, you know, working with wide receivers? What do you think that it is that he needs to work on and improve on with whatever program he ends up with next season to be more NFL-ready? Yeah, I think just the consistency. And we actually saw better consistency from him in 22 than 23. Um, You know, kind of putting the ball where it needs to go on a regular basis. Uh, But he's very close, and and I I just think he needs to to prove it again somewhere else and, you know, show that uh, it's something he can replicate. Uh, But also, you know, I just think having, I'll be blunt here, having better receivers and and Kansas State did might really boost his stock. I think that's been an ongoing issue for K-State with um, having receivers that are reliable down, you know, down after down and get themselves open, make themselves available, not just run good routes, but make themselves available when the quarterback's in trouble and come back to him. I just think it's been an ongoing issue for K-State. And, you know, getting someplace with the quality of receivers uh, that Ohio State would have would really do wonders for. All right, uh, Fitz, let's go to the other K-State football storyline right now. You guys reported um, that it's Matt Wells' season at K-State. Is that still the case? We've had nothing official yet. Is that still the yeah. case? Do we still expect that hire to be made? Well, I, I do, but, you know, as we reported it, it isn't a done deal. There was, you know, some more stuff to be worked on. And, um, you know, I'm not sure if that's official titles, responsibilities, balance between him and Connor Riley with the offense. I'm not sure what all the, the things that Chris Kleiman is trying to work out, but um, I, it seems like the higher he would make on top of you know everything else you've learned. I mean, it's a good friend that is a proven coach and a proven recruiter and, has a history with, you know, really good quarterbacks when he coached Jordan Love out at Utah State. So there's there's a lot of things here that make sense about this hire, but um, we had, don't have a timetable on it. And as I said, as of our reporting, it wasn't quite done yet, but it's, it's pretty far along. It seems like this uh, makes a lot of sense on a lot of different levels. I know that Coach Kleiman has been – uh, complimentary of Matt Wells during his time at Texas Tech. And then, you know, of course, Wells has been a head coach and probably needs to have success in a role like this to maybe get back to the head coaching ranks. So I think in a lot of different ways, this hire does make sense. But from a offensive play calling point of view, his philosophies, the things that he likes to do with his offenses, how does that fit in with the personnel that Kansas State has? Well, you know, he comes from kind of a spread background, so um, there will be some adjustments. He's run a little bit of everything along the way. He's a pretty flexible play caller. Um, Again, I come back to this. I don't care what offense you're running. Uh, K-State, and they're trying to work in the portal, but K-State's got to upgrade, um, you know, its receiving core. They've they've got some good young players, but um, they need some dynamic you know, they really could use the 6'4 go-to guy that 
can get open and, and you know, has a big catch radius. So um, anything they can do out of the portal, uh, but this is the kind of spiral they're in. They, they need the new coordinator so that the players in the portal know who they're going to be playing for. Um, so they need to get that cleaned up before they can really close the deal on any receivers. Uh, so it's, uh, I, I would imagine if he comes in, he's going to essentially run the offense that they've been running, that they don't want to start over. Um, you know, they might want to build around Avery Johnson's skill set a little bit more, but uh, I can't imagine Chris Kleiman wants to start over for his whole offense. Well, I mean, is it that? I mean, I think with Avery Johnson, you look at Jordan Love and the time at Utah State and the difference that. Jordan Love had with Matt Wells as his coach and without Matt Wells as his coach to me when I see Wells obviously he and Kleiman have the relationship that Kleiman's talked about for so long but it kind of feels like an Avery Johnson move to me oh it does it really does you know and if you're Avery you got to be excited about working with a guy who has you know done something with an elite quarterback like that but um, yeah, you know, and maybe that's some of the moving pieces that still need to be put together or, you know, what exactly he wants to do offensively. Maybe Chris Kleiman doesn't want him to change a bunch of stuff, and he says, I want to come in and run my stuff. Well, you got to sort that out. What does this do uh, to Connor Riley? I know that, you know, he's served in, in other roles, um, specifically offensive line with the Wildcats. And, you know, everybody talked about the, the great job that he did in the bowl game for Kansas State. So is this something where he goes back to the role that he had before? Will he have, uh, do you think, more of an increased uh, presence with the total offense? Yeah. Or what does that look like? Yeah, I'm sure, you know, A&M just did it. I mean, they hired Colin Klein to be offense coordinator, and then they stole the receivers coach away from Alabama and named him co-offensive coordinator, which, you know, in, in the real world means you're 50-50. In the coaching world means uh, co, you're the assistant. It, it, it's, it's weird how coaches just kind of make up these titles uh, to make themselves feel better and sound more important than they are. Uh, but uh, I, I think Connor Riley will be the co-coordinator. Uh, you know, we'll have a great deal of input on, on the game plan, probably see even some play calling input on game day. But uh, this offensive line is going to be rebuilt next year. And you need your offensive line coach on the field coaching with those guys, not on, in the box calling plays. And I think Connor Riley knows that, and that's where he wants to be. He wants to be on the field with this guy. That's just my gut. Um, and he, I imagine he's really torn – wanting to take the next step in his career to become a full-time coordinator, but also knowing that uh, he's an offensive line coach and he wants to be in, down there with his, with his guys. Uh, so I think that's why we'll see someone come in to be the actual in-the-box play caller on game day. Uh, all right, Fitz. Let, let's go to basketball here now. I, I don't know if you I – I still don't have a take on K-State. If we look at the metrics for the K-State – men's basketball team, they're near the bottom of the Big 12 right now. Are they better than that, or is that really where they probably end up here? I I don't know that we know a whole lot yet. No, because we've seen them play awful and pretty damn good. You know, and someone asked us on our own podcast, are they playing to the level of their competition? I'm like, you know what, they kind of are. Um, you know, they, they beat a really good Villanova team. Um, 
you know, they knock off a Providence team and then they lose to Nebraska and, and you know, play just a really close game uh, with Chicago State, uh, an independent team that was playing their 20th game of the season already. Um, you know, it's just I can't quite figure them out, but uh, I don't think the coaches can either because this wasn't the team they expected to be coaching. You know, first they went through the Naquan Tomlin will be back, and then he wasn't back. Uh, and then they've, you know, been to the Quez Glover is coming back, and he was supposed to be back for that Chicago State game, but re-injured the knee he just finished rehabbing. Uh, so he's shut down for the season. So now you've lost two of your main parts from the team you thought you built, uh, and you're trying to sub in now, uh, you know, really young and experienced guys to take those roles over. And um, I expect this K-State team will struggle. And I think we heard Jerome Tang kind of adjust uh, his expectations and maybe what the fans should expect when on his post-game radio on Tuesday he talked about, you know, we're 10-3, we're and, and getting to 9-9 nine and nine in the conference gets you into the tournament. Uh, so I think now this, these coaches just want to get in the field uh, and, and see what happens. But this team isn't nearly far, as far along right now as last year's team and they just don't have a carved-out identity quite yet. And I don't know if there really is an identity to carve out until Tyler Perry starts playing like Tyler Perry's capable of, that college basketball saw him play uh, in his you know previous stop. And until he gets back to anywhere close to that, this team's going to be pretty average. Uh, he's got to just find his game again because it's it's wildly broken right now. You know what's crazy about that too is I don't disagree with anything that you said, but yet they're ten and three, and you know yeah. so you you go back and you look at what they did in non-con and they, this team could easily be eight and five or seven and six or you know with the overtime games they played and and that sort of thing. I think it's a testament to Jerome Tang and and the kind of coach that he is and all of that. But now that we get into a grueling conference season. If they can have success with the roster that they have, not having Naquan Tomlin anymore, not having Quez Glover throughout the the conference season, if they can have success, I mean, isn't that just a a total, I mean, not that he needs more validation, but even more validation that Jerome Tang is doing an incredible job of coaching? Yeah, I agree with you. I I think uh, trying to put this team together with, so many, you know, vital missing parts has been a great challenge for a young head coach, you know, co- head coach and uh, young in years as a head coach. And, you know, I, I think this is a really strong staff. And I think you can watch him. If you listen to him and watch him on the sidelines, he's he's doing a lot of psychological coaching right now. Uh, yeah, there's the X's and O's, but uh, he's really working this team to try to, you know, get them to come out of their shell. They feel like they are in a shell. They feel like this is a really good shooting team that gets in the games and doesn't shoot it well. Uh, and it's all there for, you know, a higher level of play and just trying to nurse the, that out of them. And it's been interesting to watch him have to shift gears to that a little bit. All right, Fitz, what do you guys have going at GoPowerCat.com right now that people can check out? Well, it's uh, I'll be honest here, it's been a little bit slower here as the new year started. But, yeah, we are tracking that football recruiting and that, and that quarterback, coach, offensive coordinator situation quite a bit. Um, and, uh, you know, we had eventual basketballs here on Saturday, guys. And I don't know why Kansas State ended up being the welcome wagon for UCF. They were 
you know, welcome to the Big 12 for football. That was UCF's first game. Uh, and now they get to do the same welcome wagon for UCF basketball on Saturday at Bramlett. So we'll have that covered and get a lot of fun stuff going on over on our YouTube channel. So people might want to go check that out too. GoPowerCat.com. Tim Fitzgerald, the publisher at Life of Fitz. A reminder, you can check out GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app. Fitz, Happy New Year again. Uh, and we'll talk again next week. Thank you, boys. Great to talk to you. There goes Tim Fitzgerald. A lot of updates there on Will Howard, on Matt Wells. You can go back and listen to that for free on the Odyssey app. The show gets podcasted out and archived out. Jad does a great job with that. So if you're just joining us and missed any of that, you can jump in and check it out that way. Tommy and I are going to come back. J.J. McCarthy, I don't know if he's doubling down on the cheating or what, but it got brought up, of course, ahead of the national championship game. And uh, it's classic, uh, classic case, a look over there. We'll be back. We'll discuss what he said and what we think about it next on Sports Daily. Dude, you gotta hear this. Go ahead. I think I want to hear this. Sports Daily is on KFH. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily here on KFH. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster with you. Glad to be here with you. The KFH hotline is back open at 869 1240. Um, all right, we've got Shocker basketball later tonight. 7 o'clock pregame coverage begins on KEYN. They take on North Texas. We discussed that in the first hour. If you missed any of that, you can go back and listen. Thanks for joining us on our video stream. Thanks for tuning in, however it is, whether you're streaming us, listening on KFH, uh, the good old-fashioned way, whatever it is, we appreciate it. National championship game is Monday. Uh, we've got J.J. McCarthy. I think he said this yesterday. Of course, they've got to do a bunch of media McCarthy basically said they just had to keep up with Ohio State with stealing signs. Uh, Quote, it's just a thing about football. It's been around for years. We actually had to adapt because in 2020 or 2019, when Ohio State was stealing our signs, which is legal and they were doing it, we had to get up to the level that they were at. We had to make it an even playing field. Uh, I I think he's been uh, having a conversation with somebody with the Houston Astros organization like, yeah, trying to get an advantage is a part of the game until you go to extreme measures that are outside of the rules to do it. Like, no sympathy here, J.J. McCarthy. And I know the players had far less to do with this probably than than even if it was a few rogue coaches. But sending a coach in to infiltrate opposing sidelines and getting into ways to get like if another t- if you're watching film and you pick up tendencies or you pick up something from the sideline, you're like, oh, hey, here's a trend that's on them. If in Major League Baseball, you're sitting there and you see a pitcher tipping his pitches and you tell the dugout that's on the pitcher. But when you set up cameras in center field and have an intricate trash can system. That that takes it to an illegal level. When you have some staffer infiltrate opposing sidelines, and that that's not the same thing. That's not gamesmanship. That's not strategic. That's cheating. And and so like, just how about don't cheat? Well, it's how re- about that? It's really unfortunate that JJ McCarthy said that because all along, as this process has been playing out. And we've learned more about this scandal from Michigan and all of it. I never one time thought 
that the players were at fault for this. Right? Like, they, you know, maybe they right. no. maybe they were the beneficiaries of the information right. that was obtained. But J.J. Yeah. McCarthy's not the one who's instructing an assistant coach to go infiltrate the sidelines. J.J. McCarthy's the quarterback. He's going out and playing the game. Maybe the information that he's obtained from what the coaches did or whatever came from illegal ways or w- whatever that situation looks like. But he's not the facilitator of it. The players aren't. They're going out and they're playing and they're executing. That's what makes this situation different than what happened with the Houston Astros, where it was led by the players. They were the ones who were kind of putting it all together with the knowledge of the manager and maybe the front office and all of it. But I never one time, as this scandal has played out, put any of it on the players. And that's why it's unfortunate that, that McCarthy is saying what he is, because now he brings himself into the scandal he brings the players into the scandal he's basically saying yeah look like it's not a big deal we had to do what ohio state was doing to us and that i'm not saying that makes him culpable but it definitely brings him into the frame of like as because like my entire thought process in this national championship game is you know what if michigan wins good for the players good for them because they had nothing to do with this But now with J.J. McCarthy saying what he's saying, it's hard for me to separate those two things because now the face of the of the team, the quarterback is kind of excusing it, kind of excusing that behavior. And I wish you wouldn't have said that. Well, right. And he's and he goes into more of like what he sees on film and like and that's not what anybody's talking about. Just a reminder of what's been accused and punished here. A staffer, Connor Stallions, more than 30 games involving future Michigan opponents, bought tickets to go sit there behind him on the sideline and record what they're doing. You can't do in-person scouting. That's illegal. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he disguised himself differently to get away with this. Uh, they, he, had ga- he, he had access, according to video footage, of Central Michigan sideline for a game against Michigan State. And an anonymous former Division Three coach said he gave them money and a ticket to go record opponents. Like, that's not the same thing as watching film and formational things. It's not sign-stealing uh, to, to get on film what we can all see on camera. It's sign-stealing to steal what we can't see, what's not readily available. And so stop trying to make excuses for it, because here's what else it could do. We all sort of forgot about this, right? Like... We Alabama took the mantle of the bad guy when Florida State didn't get in. Not a, not a lot of people are still really caring or talking about the Michigan thing, which dominated the headlines for a long time. Now it's kind of back into the forefront. Now you sort of put the target on yourself again. Now it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, they've had a tremendous amount of success. How much of that success came from XYZ? And they're really good, and yeah. he's really good. And, and, and like, I like J.J. McCarthy a lot, but you just can't get up there and try and defend it ever, 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 ever. You have to either say, we're not worried about that anymore. We're, you know, we're really focused on this. We, we, we were able to, you know, put that distraction to the side and do whatever. But you can't try to justify it. And the worst justification for cheating, the worst justification for doing something wrong in life whether you're a kid, an adult, a grown-up, whatever, is to say, yeah, but look, they're doing it too. 
because you're just admitting you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Or they you did know, it. Like, they did it first. And and that's the way. Right. That, I mean, it's that, in, that's in, not, a, in a fist fight. It's always the second person that gets in trouble. Right. right? Like that's the way that it right. works. Great. Even if this needed justification or needed explaining, which by the way it doesn't. But even if it did, J.J. McCarthy is not the one to defend it. He's not the one to right. justify it because he wasn't the one doing it. The players were not the ones doing it. The coaching staff was the one doing it. Jim Harbaugh is the one who has had to answer for this and try to explain it. The assistant coaches, basically the, the coaching staff in general, the athletic director, all of that, they're the ones to answer for this. But with J.J. McCarthy being the one talking about it, not only does it bring it back into the top of mind as we go into a championship game where people are like, oh, yeah, I forgot that that happened. Okay, yeah, now I can root against you. But it again, it brings the players into the discussion. when it, they, That shouldn't be the focus. Even if this is what the coaching staff did, even if it, even if they were breaking all of these rules and this was, uh, you know, a, a, a stealing scandal, all of that, it's on the coaches. And even if the players benefited from it, they weren't the ones doing it. But now that JJ McCarthy, yeah, he was asked the question. Is the, I, mean, I get it, but you can easily answer it by saying, "Look, we're not focused right. on that. You know, we're focused on a national championship game." Or uh, I'm going to leave that up to the coaches to talk about. It doesn't involve us as players. Like, there are easy things that you can say to not, I, I don't even want to say implicate, your because he's not implicating himself, but to associate yourself and the team and the players with this whole scandal. You can easily push it onto the coaching staff. Let them, let them be the ones to shoulder all of it. Don't bring yourself into it, J.J. McCarthy, because now all you're doing is getting people to think about it. And I guarantee you, on Monday night, when the national championship game is playing, and I see J.J. McCarthy out on the field, that's what I'm going to be thinking about. He could have an incredible performance. He could throw for five touchdowns and 500 yards, and I'm going to be thinking about the fact that he basically brought himself and the players into this. I, I think most people, too, would not be thinking about that when the game's played, but you're just inviting now more people to do it. I was going to be thinking about it because I, I – I, I don't like this justification of cheating by saying other people are cheating. The whole if you're not cheating, you're not trying doesn't hold true when you're you you know, when you're I don't even know how to say it. Like I get gamesmanship, right? But it it's like if you're not cheating, you're not trying is not meant for corking a bat, right? Or or doing something like like tangibly that is not, you know, is so far outside the rules, like recording somebody else's signs from like, that's not the same thing, which is what he's trying to justify. And he shouldn't be justifying it. I agree. He should be deflecting. He was asked a question. And he's a young person. I'm not going to he wants to defend people because he does feel like we didn't do anything. Anybody else wasn't doing. But that doesn't make it right. Yeah, that's not the point. Right. It's not. <laughs> It just it's not and he's not it, the one I, I think to of my kids. It. He's not the one to I, answer I think for of it. my kids and two windows are broken and you come downstairs and you're like, What happened? And they're like, Well, they broke that window first. Like yeah. that's gonna justify you breaking the other window. Like what what are we talking about? Like everybody's wrong. So you got caught. They didn't get caught. So what? Like that doesn't matter. What a weird like I, I'm quite frankly, I'm glad it came back to light because I, I want Michigan to be the bad guy. I want because they deserve it. They deserve to be the bad guy. We don't even know if they deserve to be here. 
right? Like we don't we don't fully understand how many games were affected by this. Were there games this year affected by this? They didn't get caught till later in the season. I don't know that for sure. I mean, if you believe some of the reporting, TCU found out about it, and look what happened last year in the CFP, right? Because TCU knew it was happening, and they changed things up. They smashed Michigan. I, I, it's so I'm glad they've sort of slid back into the role of the bad guy because Washington's a great story to root for in that game. They've got a quarterback that's fun to root for. They got a coach that's fun to root for. They have one of the probably five most exciting players in college football at wide receiver. Like it, Washington's an awesome story, and going to be, and they're outside of the traditional powers, right? It's going to be fun to root for Washington in that game. I think it'll be more fun when you remember that Michigan perhaps cheated their way into this game. And thanks for the reminder, J.J. McCarthy. And and of course they're going to be asked that. I'm surprised the coaches and Jim Harbaugh didn't say, guys, this is coming. Just don't talk about it. Like, don't. And I don't know his style, and I don't know how much trust he gives J.J. McCarthy. But it's not a good look when you just say, yeah, we cheated, but so did they. Yeah, I, that's just that, that's not the play. Well, and on top of that, I mean, I think that this is something where regardless of the outcome of the game and it, but especially if they win and we talked about it before, I think Jim Harbaugh is basically out of town, you know, and going back to the NFL. I think there are a variety of teams that would love to have Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines and you're not under the same amount of scrutiny at the, at the pro game as you are in college football. And so I do think that there are going to be attractive opportunities for him to return to the NFL. I think the Chargers are one of them. I think the Patriots are one of them. I think there are some opportunities that would make a lot of sense for Jim Harbaugh. All right, let's uh, let's take a break here. We'll come back. CBS Sports put out its top uh, free agents trade. To- it basically lists potential quarterback moves in the offseason. The, the top of the list is one that has fascinated me for months and months and months, but there are, there's some other interesting ones on there. We'll discuss that a little bit uh, in the next segment before we wrap things up on this Thursday. It's all Brockton Caster at Sports Daily on KFH. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily, making our way through a Thursday. Albrock and Caster here. Uh, Paul Savage will be in tomorrow. We will make some football picks. I'll send mine in to the guys here. It'll be interesting to see the list you can come up with here, Tommy, as we got to find 10 games to pick. Uh, that- Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Mean something will, of course, have the national championship game in that mix. But I'm not sure there are nine others uh, where we don't have to really uh, take a take a swing at a game where it's unpredictable. Uh, CBS Sports put out this list, and I, th- I think it's interesting. It's of the quarterback market and the way it's shaping up, and it and it sort of compiles it all together, right? The top free agents, maybe some trade candidates, uh, guys that are going to be cut, the draft. At the top of the list is Kirk Cousins. Now, I, I'm fascinated by the Cousins scenario and what's going to happen here because he's owed a lot of, like, dead money for Minnesota. This is one where I've got to just say I don't understand the salary cap because if there's any way they can defer some of the dead money, I, I think for the Vikings you bring Cousins back. I mean, he was playing the best he's ever played. They are loaded with weapons. I don't know what TJ Hawkinson's injury looks like for next year. But I think they're a real contender if he's healthy, the way Brian Flores turned that defense around. CBS projects him to come back and for them to draft like J.J. McCarthy in the second round. That's exactly what I think they should do. If they can get Cousins back and then draft a long-term replacement. And you got to think of Cousins as like starting for at least the next two years or so. But McCarthy feels like the right kind of candidate to to hang back right and learn and wait for an opportunity we see that work all the time for quarterbacks if there's not pressure to play them right away like wherever Caleb Williams goes he's going to have pressure to play right away right wherever Drake May goes there's going to be pressure to play right away that's going to happen I'm not sure that's the case with like J.J. McCarthy or Bo Nix you know like maybe those guys could land somewhere where they could sit because I do think it would do them well I think for the Vikings and Cousins, who will be the top free agent, he was going to win the MVP had he stayed healthy. I mean, there was a, there's at least a chance. So I, I think the best-case scenario for the Vikings and for Cousins is for him to come right back there. Yeah, the Vikings, all they have to do is look at their rivals in their division with the Packers and what they did with Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. They drafted Jordan Love. They knew that he was going to be the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers didn't like it at the time, and that was very well documented. But that was the strategy. Let Jordan Love develop, give him time, and then hand the reins over. I think the Vikings, using that strategy, can set themselves up for long-term success. That being said, the, the gas tank is not empty for Kirk Cousins. I know that it's difficult to come back from an Achilles injury, but just knowing the kind of quarterback that he is, I've been a Kirk Cousins fan for a long time. He's never going to be flashy. He's never going to be over-the-top incredible, but he's always going to be a serviceable, viable quarterback in the National Football League. And so I think that if the Vikings can commit to him for, I don't know, two or three more years and then draft his replacement to work and study under Kirk Cousins, man, if I'm a guy like J.J. McCarthy, I would love to be behind Kirk Cousins and to be able to learn from him and to be able to gain that knowledge because I think that Cousins just his demeanor and the way that he carries himself, I think he can be a pretty good mentor and a pretty good leader. It reminds me of the Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes situation. Alex Smith and Kirk Cousins, I think, are kind of cut from the same cloth. And so I think that's a good move if the Vikings want to go that way. I don't know if they will, though. I mean, it wouldn't shock me 
if they do cut ties with Kirk Cousins and he goes and lands somewhere else? Kirk Cousins will be a starter somewhere. Alex Smith's an interesting comparison. I think their game is a little bit different. I think Cousins is is better. I think he's a better pocket passer. Smith did more things, you know, creatively. And I, I'm a big Alex Smith guy. Uh, Baker Mayfield is on this list. I think he's back with the Bucks. I don't think there's much doubt about that. Um, Justin Fields is the next really interesting one. And I, we haven't gotten into this much here. I don't know what I would do if I were the Bears. I, I, I really, like, I legitimately don't know what the right answer is here. Fields tantalizes... But you've got the number one pick. I think it's an easy answer if you evaluate Caleb Williams the way that people evaluated him before the season. If he is evaluated as a can't miss, then I think you trade Fields. Not because of Fields, but because of Williams, right? If if he's not, though, like if you've wavered from that at all, Chicago's in an interesting spot. So their defense has all of a sudden played much better. You know, DJ Moore's a good weapon, and you've got two top 10 picks. So, in theory, you could take, let's say, Marvin Harrison Jr. If you've got, you know, if, if you, whether it's him or, or Rome Udunze of Washington, one of those receivers. And then you take, I don't know, whatever else to help to help bolster things around fields. I do think there's a world where the Bears are competitive to win that division next year if they draft well and keep fields. But you also have this situation where you never pass up on the can't-miss quarterback. Like, you don't pass that up. It just really becomes as Caleb Williams that, I think. I don't know if he is, number one. And if I'm leading the Chicago Bears, I don't know if I want to make that change. I don't know if I want to go away from what I'm building with Justin Fields. They have improved as the year has gone on. Justin Fields, we've talked about it multiple times about, you know, once they let him kind of do the things that he's good at and put him in those positions to do the things he's good at, at that point, then, you know, you've you've kind of created an offense around Justin Fields. And if you go away from that, I know you can get value for him. I know you can probably stock up on even more draft picks, but they're in a good position with Justin Fields and with their draft picks right now. And so, man, I just don't know if moving away from that strategy and punting on that after a couple of years of Justin Fields is the right thing for them to do, even if Caleb Williams ends up being this can't-miss prospect. I just, I, I'm not sure that that's the direction I would go if I was running the Bears. Well, look, if Caleb Williams is can't-miss prospect, right? If Caleb Williams is and he's drawing comps in his style to Mahomes or if he's, that, you know, if he's, if he's Burrow, who was the last one probably— then you take him one because you don't ever pass it up and because he's cheaper for three more years than Justin Fields is, right? So you can continue to build the roster around him. That that's the elephant in the room. Is but Fields how much is of the personnel how much of the personnel that the, the Bears have offensively will translate well from Justin Fields to Caleb Williams? I don't know. How many of those players that they brought in or they drafted or like they traded for DJ Moore? The running backs well, they have the offensive DJ line. Moore, DJ I'm, Moore translates fine. Uh, he'll translate he's with really, anybody, really but you know, how many of those people did they bring in specifically for Justin Fields that then they'll have to maybe make changes? Because I don't I don't know how well it translates to a Caleb Williams. I mean, they haven't done a good job of putting people around Fields. I mean, yeah. they finally got DJ Moore, and that's clearly helped. But Mooney hasn't worked out. It's not a good fit with Fields. It doesn't seem like Cole Komet was already there. I mean, Fields' thing is he's got to be able to move around. I, I don't think Fields is ever going to be a sit-in-the-pocket passer. 
It's just, you know, and he does have a body type, I think, that lends itself to being able to run more often than normal and hold up, right? He's a big dude. And so I, I don't know. I mean, Chase Claypool and didn't work. They tried to bring him over Chase from the Claypool Steelers. Didn't work that didn't. That was terrible. Yeah. That was a terrible idea. Yeah. He's no longer with them. So that that's that's the thing. Like I I don't know if it's a Fields thing. If it's a I, I don't know. But you know they're going to have a chance to bring in a world class wide receiver, right? Like as good. A, there's two as good a receiver prospects as we've seen coming out in this class. And so you've got a chance to add one of those to the mix. And that with Justin Fields next year is appealing. Is that with, you know, because if they don't take Williams or... Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Drake May or whatever anybody think that top pick, the, the chances of either one of those receivers being there at 10 are unlikely. So it, it's, you know, it's, it is, it's, it's sort of a, you know, chicken and the egg. What comes first? Do you surround it with fields or do you move on at quarterback? I don't know what their right answer is. I really don't. I, I don't have a strong, t- I'm, I'm about as much on the line as you possibly could be. There's also the other factor with it. If it's fields and you go there, is there a world where Fields is not one of the guys that resets the quarterback market? Can you get him for one of the secondary-type deals, right? Like a Daniel Jones deal. Because that has appeal, too, right? If you can get him on a quarterback contract that's not one of the biggest in the league and you can remain with financial flexibility with him there, then I probably lean to keeping him. I, I that, yeah. But if it's... If it's a scenario where he's really good and then next year you got to reset the market with him, kind of like Arizona faced with Kyler Murray, like if I'm the Bears, I don't want the Kyler Murray situation with Justin Fields. Yeah. Right? And if, that, it, that's the other problem. And I don't, financially. I don't know. I don't think they're having these conversations right now. But if I were the Bears, it, you know, if I'm even considering trying to keep Justin Fields and move away from Caleb Williams with the first pick, I might be trying to sign Justin Fields now. Because you've seen, I, I agree totally. You've yep. seen flashes of what it could be with Justin Fields, but you haven't seen it fully come into play. Once it fully comes into play, if you feel optimistic that it will, then his price tag is going to go through the roof. So if you feel confident with the flashes that you've seen and the picks that you have and the team that you're building around him, and you don't want to go Caleb Williams, then you try to re-sign him now to maybe try to get him at a discount long term on one of those secondary quarterback deals like a Daniel Jones or whatever, you know, like you mentioned. Because if you wait and it all comes together and that's great and you have success, well then you got to pay him a whole lot more and that's going to be tough. Yeah, it, it it's a fascinating one. Baker Mayfield I mentioned, I think he'll be back with the Bucks. Uh Russell Wilson is probably the other one to keep an eye on. Uh, so, you know, they bring up Kyler Murray as a, as a trade candidate. I think Murray's going to be with the Cardinals next year. But Russell Wilson's interesting. They're they're projecting to the Steelers, which I do actually think makes sense. Wilson has not played poorly. Um, I, he'll need to be – man, his, his situation's as interesting as anybody, right? Because you don't want to pay him a ton, but he, he showed you this year he's still got something left in the tank. 
The Steel I like that fit. I would like that fit with the Steelers. It's almost like where you had Carr with the Saints, right? Like, are you kicking the can down the road? Are you starting over? Like, what are you doing there? Wilson, I mean, Wilson, What? he's only like 35. I think we think he's older than he is. At 35, don't you think he should probably be a starter in this league somewhere? I think so. I, I think that that's fair. Like the Falcons, right? Or, or what? what is one of these teams that is just getting not even close to enough at quarterback that would be good enough to get somewhere. And and I guess what his contract demands are matter to some degree, but like the Raiders, right? There are there are some places where you could see it make sense. I, he's as interesting as anybody too. Uh, but it, it will be, again, man, there is nothing better than quarterback off seasons the last two or three years. They've just been so good. And there are there are really high-end prospects in the draft this year. They're going to make it even more interesting. All right. Uh, we'll take our final break. We'll come back. We'll tell you what's uh, on tap today here on the networks as we wrap up a Thursday edition of Sports Daily. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.